Do I have a what? A gray Datsun. Durango? No. I got a gray. Do we have music? Yeah. I just think I'll be challenged to the play. Is it running? No.
And good morning, FFM. I'm Matt Stutzman. I am so excited you have uh, joined us live. We are live this morning uh, here in Centerville, and we are excited because next week, write it on your calendars, next week we are going to be back reopen uh, for corporate worship together. We can get applause for that. Come on, let's hear some applause for that. Uh, we are excited um, that that is coming up very quickly. Now, of course, that means we need to get prepared for that. Um, so a couple of things we're asking just as we're getting everybody kind of back into the routine of serving and ministering. Uh, we just want to make sure that if you get a chance, please get on. And uh, we've got the, the sign in. Uh, up and available, please get on and sign in, just so that we know how many teachers we need to have, um, you know, just to make sure we know how we can best serve you. So we are excited. We're not turning anybody away. We're not going to be at the door uh, with a checklist. We're going to just make sure that all of our people who are here to serve are set, ready to go, and we are excited. So uh, first thing we do, always, we love it, we love it, we love it when you get on and you share. Please share. We love to see when we get up into that 100, the 150, 200 range on the shares. We love to see that. Uh, we're going to reach just an incredible amount of people all over the world, um, especially as we're starting to come out of this and churches are reopening. You know, we're just excited to see uh, people join us uh, from, from everywhere uh, on the globe. But you can do that and make that possible by sharing, letting your neighbors know, letting your friends know. And we say it every week and it begins to kind of tune it out but believe me, it makes a difference. It makes a huge difference in getting it out there, getting people on, and getting them connected. And we're excited because next week, next week we're going to start to see the fruits of that, of the people who are going to be coming and joining us who were not here before all of this, who were not uh, able to join us before because they didn't know about the love of Jesus and they didn't know about all the good things uh, that go along with that and, and even here at Centerville. And that is because... People took time to share the live stream. They clicked on and they joined. And it's incredible what we can do uh, using social media for good instead of allowing it to be used for bad. So a couple of things we always go through uh, really quick. We got push pay uh, for your online giving. Um, as always, if you're joining from another church, we encourage you, please, please, please give to your own church. We don't, uh, we're not having any expectations here that you're going to give uh, your tithe to us, but we are offering our online giving uh, for push pay. Uh, you can do that uh, by getting on our website, on Facebook, um, or through the My Church app. And the sermon notes are right there along with it. Um, if you're watching on Facebook, in the description for this, uh, in the post description, everything you need is right up there uh, to, to click on that and to, uh, to get you the sermon notes, get you uh, the offering, get you everything you need, get you all the information. If you don't have the app yet, we're going to be keeping all of the information we need as much as we can with uh, going to a, a shorter service time. We're going to be cutting down our announcement time. So that means you need to get online and you need to get your announcements online uh, through the app. That's my church in your app store. And then you just do a search uh, for Firm Foundation and you will find all kinds of great information right there. So, all right, we're, uh, we'll probably, uh, this might be the last week we're going to be doing this. Um, we'll see uh, what kind of feedback we get, uh, but we love the quiz questions, uh, just something for you to interact, so we're going to go ahead and throw up that first quiz question, and that was, what did Esau receive in exchange 
for his birthright. And I hope you took some time to talk with, uh, with your kids on this one because it was just some, some stew. And if you don't understand what it meant to have a birthright, you might not understand what it means uh, to, to exchange it for something that small. All right, the next one. The final plague that convinced Pharaoh to let the slaves go, and that was that the firstborn of all the Egyptian families died. And you got to remember, the firstborn wasn't just the youngest firstborn, and they would have had several families, units living in one house, so there could have been um, as many as three deaths in one house. Um, if, you think, if you think about it, just how, many, how the family units worked back then. So a, a major, a major plague there. And again, you can always uh, record your answers, post them up, hashtag FFM quiz 2020. All right, the next one, which books of the Bible record David's time as king? And that is, of course, in first and second Samuel, and just incredible stories in there, incredible, uh, just a read of everything that David did and went through, the trials that he went through during that time. All right, new questions. Get your phone out. You can snap these photos, whatever you need to do to make sure you answer this. With what? What did Samson use to kill 1,000 Philistines, and not the weak kind, not the ones who were just sitting around on the couch uh, playing video games? These were men of war. He killed a thousand of them. What did he use to kill a thousand of them? How many wives did Solomon have? <laughs> wives. How many wives? That word is important. How many wives? And we're going to move on. Wives. How many wives did Solomon have? What was, what did Matthew do before he followed Jesus? That's, that was one maybe for the older kids there. What was it that Matthew did before Jesus came along and called him to follow him? Uh, make sure you get those uh, questions, you know, hashtag us in on that. We love to see those. And in getting ready for next week, I want to talk about the hashtags. Getting ready for next week, we're going to be putting together our hashtag little video clip that we do. Please today, 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 if you haven't done it already, please take a, a selfie of you and your family with the TV in the background. You don't even have to have the TV. Just make sure it has you in it. Uh, don't, uh, don't just take a picture of the TV. Uh, we get to see Don enough the way it is. We want to see a picture of you um, at home or where, you know, camping wherever you're at um, on this Memorial Day weekend. We want to have a photo of you watching. So please uh, do that and then hashtag that on to FFM2020 or hashtag the church has left the building. Please put that on there and we're going to grab those and we're going to put a, a video together, a special video together for as we get back uh, together. We are excited to have you uh, to do that. We cannot wait to, uh, to kind of go back through those memories and knowing that we walked through and we're coming out the other side, but it's still going to be a great time to look back at a time spent uh, with with, with our children uh, having church or whatever it was that made it special. We're going to look back and we're going to see the, the, the great things that God did through all of this. So we are excited about that. Again, if you're just joining in, we want to remind you, please, please share uh, the live stream. Get that out to, uh, to the audiences out there. We are excited uh, to have people from all over the country join in. Um, with us and we have several opportunities if you're watching on on Facebook this morning and you would uh, like to we have our boxcast uh, which is boxcast.com really easy to get to you're going to get a, a, a really a, a better picture you're going to get better sound quality you can get to that through our website um, or we also are up on YouTube and you can watch it on YouTube so again in getting ready for next week uh, please if you remember please uh, 
get signed in, just so that we, we can make plans, just so we can make preparations, just so that we can see the names pop up and get excited and begin to pray for you. And we want to encourage you as we get ready to go into this week, um, we want to focus in on what it is that God's going to do as we come out of this time. And I, and I kept being reminded uh, throughout the week, uh, this last week, of, of John, and, or I'm sorry, of Peter, and, and of Peter uh, walking on water, and just when his focus was on God, when his focus was where it needed to be, then he was good. Then he, would, he, he was going in the direction he needed to go, and he, he, was, he was on top. He was doing something that no man had ever done um, on, on their own power before. Um, well, he was using the power of Christ, obviously, but it was something that hadn't been done. And, but as soon as he began to look around and as soon as he began to let all of the other things begin to allow the storm to, to begin to, uh, to, to distract him, that's when the problem started to come. And, and we do, obviously. We have storms around us. We have, we have all of these things that are going on. And I want to encourage you this week. Keep your eyes focused on Jesus. There's no middle ground. There's no somewhat on Jesus and somewhat on the storm. Because I can tell you this, the, 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 the man whose eyes you are focused on is the one who controls the storm. The one that you are focused on is the one who controls uh, the, the, the world around you. He's the one who, uh, who allows everything that you're facing, the disease that you're facing, everything that is going on in your life, the storm that is going on in your life, I can promise you this, he is in control. And we have to do the winner yet. Thanks, Ronnie. Because this is an important one. I'll get back to this in just a little bit. I'm going to come back to that. We finish and get ready. Hey, while we're getting ready, can we get a drum roll? I'm sorry, Breno. Let's get a drum roll. I'm excited about this one. This is a two-time winner. This means you need to get your uh, kids' notes in, and uh, they're up on our Facebook page. Our winner today is none other than Maya Munson. Let's get a round of applause. Grandpa and Grandma are here. Hey, you know what? Is she here? Hey. We are excited for you, Maya. We love the fact we have seen your name pop up so many times, and we love to see your faithfulness. We love to see uh, you putting in the work and the effort, and uh, we are just so excited uh, for that. If for your kids who don't know about that, um, those kids' notes, I jumped right over that. Those kids' notes are up on Facebook, on our website, on the app. Um, get on there and fill them out. We're, gonna, we're excited next week as we continue to, to we're going to have those up here, and the kids can fill them out. Um, the adults, you can fill them out too. It's a great way to get involved and, and stay on that. So I kind of kind of got off, but I'm glad, thankful for uh, for my guys in the back for getting me uh, directed back in the right way. So you know what? Let's stand with let's stand wherever you're at this morning. Uh, let's stand. Um, we've got um, we're, we're getting ready. We're getting everything in place. We're just so excited. And, and again, this week, we want you, don't focus on the storm. Don't focus on all the things around you that are trying to grab your attention. 100%, give your full, undivided attention to the man who is standing on the water in front of you, to the man who, uh, who, who lifts you up, who raises uh, the, the dead, who, uh, who, who heals the sickness, who heals the blind, who can do everything that we ask of him when we come and we pray in faith. And we come this morning excited. We come this morning with joy. We come this morning knowing that next week, next week, 
we're going to see that our God is going to take what the enemy meant for evil and he's going to turn it for good. And we believe, we believe that the good things that are coming are going to wash away everything uh, that, that has torn us down for these last several months. So God, this morning we raise our hands. Raise your hands with me this morning, wherever you're at. We come with our hands raised high. We come with excitement. Um, on this weekend that we uh, that we remember God, when we memorialize those who have given so much, God, we want to do the same, and we want to lay ourselves down uh, for you, Father God, uh, this morning. So God, we come full of joy, full of excitement, full of just the promise of who you are. No matter whether you are uh, here inside this church building in Centerville, or if you are in Sturgis and Three Rivers and White Pigeon, St. Joe County, if you are in the Michigan area, if you are in the United States, if you are in anywhere tuned in this morning on all corners of this planet, Father God, you are there. You are there. So God, we come with joy and excitement, knowing that you're going to take what the enemy meant for evil. You're going to turn it for good. You're going to turn the tears into joy. You're going to turn the sorrows into happiness. And Father God, we come with praises this morning. In Jesus' name. Good morning, church. We'd like to welcome you this morning to come and worship with us. We invite you as we sing this song of that day when God saved you, when, when he took you out of your dark pit. It was such a glorious day. I was buried beneath my shame. Who could carry that kind of weight? It was my turn till I made you. I was breathing, but not. Alive. All my failures I tried to hide. It was my truth till I met you. Come on, sing out. You called my name. You called my name. And I ran out of that
you have experienced the freedom that comes with Jesus Christ, I want you to sing this part with me. I need a rescue. My sin was heavy. But chains break at the weight of your glory. I need a shelter. I was an orphan. Now you call me a citizen of heaven. When I was broken, you were my healing. Now your love is the air that I'm breathing. I have a future, my eyes are open. Cause when you call my name, shout it out. I ran out of that grave. Out of the darkness, into your glorious day. You call us to worship you. You call us, Lord, just to, to exalt your name. Because it's all about you, Lord. It's all about you. You are worthy of all our praise. You are holy, Lord. You are the King of kings, Lord. We just want to express, Lord, right now, Lord, our worship to you, Lord. Every song we could ever sing, worthy of all the praise we could ever bring, worthy of every breath we could ever breathe, we live for you, Jesus. Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever save. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe, we live for you. Oh, we live for you. Holy, 
is no one like you there is none beside you open up my eyes in wonder and show me who you are and build me with your heart and lead me in your love to those sing again worthy worthy of every song we could ever sing worthy of all the praise we could ever bring worthy of every breath we could ever breathe we live for you Jesus Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever save. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you.
imagine this the, the disciples when they were on the boat um, with Jesus and the storms were were blowing the, the wind was blowing the, the waves were crashing and I can imagine that disciples were looking all over outside of the boat looking at everything that was happening but but they forgot that Jesus was right there in the boat and they forgot to turn their eyes on Jesus and Jesus he woke up and said peace be still you know and it's so easy for us as a body of believers to look at around, look around at what is going on in our society, in our culture, on Facebook and on the news to see what is going on. But we forgot to, to see, we forget to realize that Jesus is in the room with us in our storm, in our situation. Jesus is with us and he is the one that is going to bring peace to your situation. He is the one that is going to bring joy into your morning. And I want us to take some time this morning to really focus, to really focus on who this is all about. This is all about Jesus. This is all about the Son of God. Don is going to talk about it in his sermon, but, but it's all about Jesus, the Messiah, the one who came, who died on the cross, and he rose again. That's why we live life. That's why we are here. It is all because of Jesus. And this next song is called All Hail King Jesus, and it focuses simply on his majesty. It focuses focuses on, on what he did on that cross and what he gave us on that cross and that is eternal life that is uh, restoration in broken relationships that is resurrecting power that is the impartation of the Holy Spirit there is so everything changed when Jesus died on that cross so as we sing this song I encourage you to focus with us on that cross as we sing this song
what sacrifice was made as the heavens roared all hail King Jesus all hail the Lord of heaven and earth all hail King Jesus all
breath we breathe. He is worthy of all the praises we can give him. He's worthy of it this morning. Let's keep singing it. All hail. He's our king. All hail King Jesus. All hail King Jesus. He's the king of kings. All hail King Jesus. All hail King Jesus. We just declare worthy is the worthy is the lamb who was slain. He's worthy of all the praise we can give him. Jesus. Let's sing the chorus again. All hail King Jesus. All hail the Lord of heaven and earth. All hail King Jesus. All
the glory is yours, it's yours, it's yours, it's yours. All of the glory, all of the glory, it's yours, it's yours, it's yours, it's yours. All of the glory, all of the glory, it's yours, it's yours, it's yours, it's yours. All of the glory, all of the glory, it's yours, it's yours. Sing it out, all of us. All of the glory, all of the glory, it's yours, it's yours, it's yours, it's yours. All of the glory, all of the glory, it's yours, it's yours, it's yours, it's yours. All of the glory, all of the glory, it's yours, it's yours, it's yours, it's yours. All of the glory. Was at this morning. God, whether they're in their car driving down the road, God, whether they're in their living room, God, still sitting in their PJs, God, it doesn't matter, Lord, right in this building this morning, Lord, we exalt you, Lord. We exalt you, Lord Jesus. We exalt you, Lord Jesus. We exalt you, Lord. 
Let our praise be our weapon, Lord. Let our praise be our weapon, Lord. Lord, you said if you be exalted, you would draw all men near. Right now, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we exalt you, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. precious name and everyone said amen come on right where you're at just give the Lord a hand of praise it's so good uh, to see you all today thank you for tuning in 
Thank you for um, the goodness of the Lord, amen, to give us the ability to bring uh, this to, to you um, in this way during this time. I would like my water, please. Thank you. And uh, we thank you for tuning in um, and hope that you are receiving the blessing of the Lord. Uh, as we get started this morning, I, I have an announcement that I want to make. Um, uh, this weekend, uh, obviously, is Memorial Day, and we want to honor all of our vets. And uh, right now in the house, we can honor them, right? Let's uh, thank them for their sacrifice. Uh, those that uh, gave the ultimate price for, for who we are and what we believe in. And never is there more uh, powerful time to actually celebrate their cause and their sacrifice than uh, this particular weekend, given this particular situation that we are in. Um, so I hope that you have some way planned uh, to celebrate uh, the fallen heroes uh, that represent who we are as believers and even as Americans uh, this weekend. And that's a powerful thing. Uh, that being said, uh, I know that uh, because of COVID-19, a lot of um, um, organized events have been canceled, uh, including high school graduations and all of these things. Um, and we know that uh, that's a difficult thing to do in this time, including Centerville's Memorial Day Parade. A lot of parades have been canceled, as a matter of fact. But a group of veterans has contacted me, organized by Brandy Eckert, uh, and asked and said, uh, we're going to walk through the town of Centerville anyway. It's outdoors, amen, so I'm not promoting civil unrest in any way. I'm saying outdoor, you can surely stay six feet away from each other uh, and participate. I know that uh, there was a parade through town of uh, graduates, this uh, Centerville from high school graduates this week, weekend, so... Uh, tomorrow morning, uh, there'll be a gathering that will leave Adams Park in Centerville at 9 a.m. And so if you'd like to be a part of that and walk with those veterans from Adams Park down to the cemetery where the uh, monument is at, uh, they've asked uh, that I would come and share uh, for a few moments. And I have graciously agreed I'm never going to turn down veterans uh, for any event. And so if you'd like to join us, we need you to be at Adams Park tomorrow morning, 845 at 9 o'clock. We're, we're going to walk through the town like we normally do on that route down, down to the uh, Union soldier there in uh, uh, the cemetery and honor them in a very, very powerful way. And so we'd love to see you there. I know there's some veterans who are gathering and going to just walk. It's not any kind of parade organized thing. But it is something we can do. And I look forward to sharing. Amen. Um, especially from my own heart. The first thing a soldier told me, taught me how to do. Was to be a servant. And um, what a great opportunity we have. Amen. So remember that. Write that down. If you'd like to join us. Be there by 845. We'll leave promptly at 9. And walk through the town. If you want to make a sign. You can do all those things. It'll be great. Uh, no cars or anything. We're actually just going to walk through the town. So, yeah, I think it'll be a great, great moment. Amen. I, I want you to remember uh, as we go forward. I know Matt and the team have already done this. Uh, but uh, next week, May 31st. Everybody say May 31st. 9 a.m. 
Hello, somebody. At 11 a.m., there'll be two uh, open church services to the community. Uh, We understand that um, our first service is already booked full. And so if you haven't booked in by now, we've been asking you to book in, not because the state requires us to have you sign up to come to church. That is not what they're doing. We're trying to figure out how we can best serve uh, you and your children during this time. And so do us a favor. We know that there'll be plenty of visitors who didn't have any idea about the sign in and those things. So if you as Firm Foundation Ministries can book in, that'll sure help the staff on that day uh, make our day. We want to live above board during this time. And I don't want to give the enemy an inch. Amen. And uh, that's why Corinthians teaches us that love cannot fail. Because it's always above board. And so in the, in the heart of, of that, we invite you to come next week, May 31st. Um, and uh, we look forward to seeing you and all those things. We've put out some guidelines this week, and, and it's, it's great. And again, those guidelines are, are just things that we want to do to live up and above board. I have, uh, we've had some great conversation with local leaders who are in com- uh, local authorities who are in complete support of us opening up church uh, including our, I haven't had a conversation with the president but, uh, of the United States, but he is in complete support of us opening up church. And uh, I love his statement, uh, more powerful than anything. America doesn't need less prayer. We need more prayer. And I'm just telling you right now, whether you believe in whoever's in the office of the president, if you are a Bible student at all, whenever the leader of a nation begins to call people back to God, whether they were godly or not, that means God is on the move. And I'm just telling you right now, I have seen this over and over and over again as God has has used our president like I have never seen a president be used before to call us back to God specific statements to say, use this time to work on your personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That's incredible. To work on your personal relationship with God. Amen. And to declare that America needs more prayer and not less. Uh, I love it. Um, And so God is on the move. Amen. I said God's on the move. And you better believe it. And it doesn't matter what the world says. And we're going to speak to this this week. And I, I want you to understand, last week after the church service, uh, some powerful things happened. I, I just always seek God about, God, how do I continue to say what you're trying to say to us? And, and uh, what's next? And what passage do we come out of in the scripture to talk about this revival reign and what you're wanting to do? And, and uh, Lynette came up and gave me a scripture. And, and it was powerful right after that. And we're going to work through that this morning because I think it was directly from the Lord. And I want you to understand that uh, I, I feel so powerful about this this morning that this is a two-Bible sermon. I got one for each hand today, so y'all better buckle up and get ready. Amen. I got one for each hand. Amos, the prophet Amos, that's in the Minor Prophets, and I, I want you to turn there with me to chapter 9, which is a powerful chapter. And I'm going to start with verse 13, and I want you to look this. God says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when the plowman shall overtake the reaper. And the treader of grapes, him who sows 
the seed. The mountain shall drip sweet wine, and all the hills shall flow with it. I will restore the fortunes of my people Israel, and they shall rebuild the ruined cities and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and drink their wine. They shall make gardens and eat their fruit. I will plant them on their land. And they shall never again be uprooted out of the land. Which I have given them. Says the Lord your God. Father bless the reading of the word. To the hearing of our ear. And the receiving of our heart. In Jesus name. And everyone said. I want you to embrace yourself because we believe that God has been speaking to us for this now six weeks about next week. How many of you know God knows where he's going? I, I wish, how many of you know God knows where he's going? And God begins to speak to us and move in our life, uh, amen, way before we get there about how and who and what we're supposed to be when we do get there. And I, I need you to understand, God has been speaking to us as a leadership team and as a church in, in, a, in a powerful way. And, and He knows what He wants to do and start next week. Amen. May 31st. And, and, and this prophetic message, this revival reign word that God has been speaking to us as a church. Maybe it isn't for every church. But I do believe that God has been speaking to us as a church. He's got something to do. Amen. And he's stirring inside of us. Some of us think, though, we're not good enough for it. There's a young man in a wheelchair. He, he's discouraged by his condition. And he was seeing his doctor and, and going through his physical and health problems and those particular things. And, and being in this wheelchair and his physical problems had him very, very discouraged about who he was and, and, and what his future might look like. And he, he looks at his doctor and he says, Doctor, do you think I have a future? And the doctor looks at him and said, As a pole vaulter, no. But as a man, yes. Come on, somebody. Come on, you might be discouraged about where you're at right now. But I want you to understand God knows who he has called you to be. You might be discouraged about what you're going through in your position at this moment. Because you think in your mind you can't be who you're supposed to be. But God's got a plan. And a man in a wheelchair may never be a pole vaulter, but he can still be a man. Come on, somebody. And Amos is speaking here by the power of, the, of, of the, the Spirit of God. And he's prophesying. And there's this dire prediction that comes before this blessing. And in his speaking, he had spoke about destruction. And Israel, hearing this, this destruction that was coming, might have asked themselves the same question. Do we have a future? Do we have a future? And Amos says, as the condition as the way you are right now? No. Come on, somebody. And the condition that you are in right now? No. Come on, church. But as a remnant, sifted by the judgment of God and purified by the Spirit of God into a new people? Yes. 
Come on, y'all not gathering this, right? Can revival come? Could it have ever come in the condition that we were in? Comfortable and lackadaisical. Hello, somebody, right? And, and a little apathetical, if you want to believe it or not, because there was a lot of people who could just leave or take church. And now you hadn't been allowed to come to church for a few months, and all of a sudden you're hungry for what you used to take for granted. See, could revival come in that condition that you were in? No, but it is a new people. Amen. Touched by the power of God and by the Spirit of God. Yes. Yes. As a new people, the church can be re-energized and full of the glory of God. I believe that the people of God, I believe that the body of Christ is going to come out of this issue of COVID-19, this issue of all this struggling. I believe we're coming out of new people. I said, I believe we're coming out of new people. And Amos, he's incredible here. He helps us see God and live with hope rooted in God's promises. This message, this, this message of hope, it was, it was his main message. It took him nine chapters to get there. Come on, church. It seemed contradictory wait a minute you you just told us Amos that judgment was coming you just told us that dark times were coming and now you want to tell us that good times which is it? it this is contrary the hope this hope you speak of is contrary to the darkness that's coming in the light of your utter your prophecy about utter destruction but let me tell you something church I want you to get this I want you ever forget this. If you only hear one thing that Pastor Don says this morning, I want you to grab this with all your heart. The nature of hope is contradictory. Listen, it's only in hopeless times that we need hope. Are you with me, church? Hope in of itself is a contradictory thing. Hope says, listen, listen, when it seems dark, light is coming. Hope says when you're down, God can lift you up. Hope says when it's all over, God's starting new. Listen, that's what hope does. Hope in of itself is a contradictory thing. And if you are a people of hope, you are a contradictory people. If the body of Christ, if God's people are left on planet earth for anything, we are to be a people of hope. We are to be a people who are able to bridge, amen, from darkness to hope, amen, from darkness to light. We are a people who are supposed to be contradictory. The Bible continues to tell us to be contradictory. It says, don't be part of the world. Don't be like the world. Be a people of hope. Hope in the midst of despair is a common prophetic word. See, here's the nature of hope. Hope always speaks not from the perspective of man's problem. Hope speaks from the perspective of God's eternal plan. Oh, I, I, did, I didn't write, I didn't put that up there for you. Y'all might need to write that. Somebody might need to tweet that this morning. Come on, church. Hope speaks not from the perspective of man. 
Hope speaks from the perspective of God's eternal plan. And I need you to know, church, just because COVID-19 showed up, just because uh, uh, the, the, the world decided to stop rotating, just because everything decided to shut down, doesn't mean that heaven shut down. I need you to understand. Amen. Doesn't mean that heaven closed its gates. Uh, it doesn't mean that heaven's taking a break. I want you to understand the God that we serve, he ain't staying home and staying safe. Uh, he's getting out and touching people. Hello, church. Man's sinfulness can never thwart the plan of God. That's the redemptive plan of God. In the darkest of times, the light of God's great grace always breaks through to give us hope for our future. In the darkest of times. There are some people who are alive today who live through some dark times. Amen. Tomorrow is Memorial Day. And no doubt you may get to meet a, a, a veteran who lived through World War II. You may. There ain't very many of them left. They're in their late 90s now. Mid-late 90s. But they came home when some of their brothers and sisters didn't. They lived through some dark times. Maybe there's some who's listening today who lived through the Great Depression, some dark times. But I want you to understand, listen, there are very few people today outside of those who experienced World War II that have ever lived. There are very few who are alive today that have ever lived through a global, a global situation. Only a remnant. Alive on earth today. Only a small few on life. Oh, come on, church. Have ever lived through a global event before. But here we are. Hello, somebody. I said, here we are. Amen. Here we are, God's people living through a global event. Y'all not with me? Y'all not with me? See, there's a global event we always like to preach about that's coming. There's a global event that we always like to shout about. Amen. You want to make a church shout? Just start preaching on the rapture. You want to make a church shout? Just start preaching on Jesus coming back. You want to make people shout? Just start talking about their home in heaven. Amen. There's a global event coming. The Bible says that every eye and amen shall see and every ear shall hear. Amen. The coming of the Lord. Nobody's going to be Ain't nobody going to be able to step back and go, what happened? No, they're going to see him. But that event is not yet. Come on, church. There's some stuff that's got to happen. Amen. And y'all think I'm talking about stuff that needs to happen in the world. No, no, no. I'm talking about some stuff that needs to happen in the body of Christ. See, because here's where Pastor Don's at. I don't believe revivals for the world. I believe revivals for the church. I believe revival is for the church to wake up God's people. And I believe what revival does to the church is the fruit of what will happen in the world. Amen? We so often look at revival as something God's doing to a lost and dying world. But that's not biblical at all. Revival is what God does with his people to wake them up. So that the fruit of what he does in our life then affects the world. Let me, let me tell you about the basis of this hope. Watch this, verse 5. Go in chapter 9, verse 5. The Lord God of hosts, he who touches the earth and melts it. And all who dwell in it mourn. Watch this. And all of it rises like the Nile. 
and sinks again like the Nile of Egypt, who builds his upper chambers in the heavens. Y'all never heard of a place called an upper room? I said, y'all ever heard of a place called an upper room? Uh, this is the Old Testament, upper chambers. That's an Old Testament word for upper room. Y'all, we're going to get there. He, and he found his vaults on earth. In other words, what's stored up in the upper room, amen, is supposed to be poured out uh, on the earth. <laughs> I, I wish you read your Bible like this. Look at this. All who calls for the waters of the sea and pours them out upon the surface of the earth. The Lord is his name. I said, the Lord is his name. Are you not like the Cushites to me, O people of Israel, declares the Lord? Did I not bring up Israel from the land of Egypt and the Philistines from Kephator and the Syrians from Kerr? In other words, he's saying, you know what? You ain't the only one who had an exodus. God is saying, you're not the only one that I gave an exodus to. I don't have a trick Bible. It's just right there. I, th I love it that Amos is striking this note of hope. He, he's rooting his message in the hope of God, right? Israel could have, hoped, could, could have hoped, but not because of who they were, but because of who God was. I said, Israel could have hope, not because of who they were. And that's what God is telling them. But you think you're more special than the Egyptians? You think you're more special than the Philistines? That's exactly what he's saying to them there. And Israel would say, yeah. Why? Because the Egyptians were our enemy. They slaved us for over 400 years. The Philistines were our enemy. Absolutely, we're more special than them. And God's like, you missed it. I'm going to get there because some of y'all violated right now. True hope is always rooted in the sovereignty of God. Watch this. Amos highlights God's sovereignty by referring to him not as the Lord of Israel, but as the Lord of hosts. Everything. God is not just the God of Israel. God is not just the God of America. Come on, church. God is the God of everything. I said, God is sovereign. And Amos has said, you forgot this. You, you missed this, right? And God is reminding us that he's not only the God of Israel, he's the God of everything. God is God. Hello, somebody. Uh, it used to be an old song. I know God is God. We need, we need Pastor Rick Sarver here to sing this thing. I know God is God. Amen. He's God on the platform. He's God at the back door. He's God in the amen corner. Come on, church. He, he's God. Watch this, church. In order to make sure you get this, he begins to describe God, God's control over creation. And he bring, it brings us back to even Psalms 19. It says, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the skies proclaim his work. He's accenting the sovereignty of God to confirm it's God's ability to seek out those who, who might try to escape his judgment. 
That's in verses 1 through 6. I don't have time to read that to you today. But God says, look, those who are trying to escape my judgment, I can find them. I, I know where they're at. I, I know where they're trying to hide. Don't you worry about it. I, I got them figured out, right? And so what Amos is doing is he's focused on the sovereignty of God to confirm God's ability to seek out those not only who would fall under his judgment, but also to seek out those whom he would preserve. Why is that important? Because, see, Israel's faith had minimized God to little more than some kind of cultish deity. Hello, church. We, we say it around here all the time. Jesus got to be more than an icon on your desktop. I, I said, Jesus got to be more than a symbol neck. I said, Jesus got to be more, amen, than just an icon of some kind of religious faith. Jesus is everything. Jesus is all in all, amen. He says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father except by me. He said, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. And he said, he said, I am truth. I'm the one who sets you free. Their vision of God was too small. Y'all got to get this. See, in the midst of COVID-19, our vision of God can be small. And when our vision of God gets small, that means we start to, we start to make other things large. When, when, when our vision of God gets small, that means we start to maximize other things. And mainly our own strength. Men, mainly our own ability. When, when God gets smaller, we have to make ourselves large. And so Amos, he's so good. That's what I love about this ministry and our heart towards praise, our heart towards worship, and y'all need to get ready. Listen, I, I, not only do we need more prayer and not less prayer, but I, I think we need more praise and not less praise. Amen. I, I think we need more praise and not less praise. Amen. I think we need more worship and not less worship. He, Amos is using, this is a hymn of sorts, to soar into exaltation the power and, and, and majesty of the Lord. And what he's saying to Israel is, look here, God is the God over the history of other nations too. Uh, the Message Bible calls him what? The commander of the armies of heaven. Uh-oh. We're going to get there. I love that portion in Amos' prophecy that says this. Watch this. The one who touches the land and melts it. Oh, come on, church. God is sovereign all, over all creation. And earthquakes around the earth can make us mourn. But God controls his creation. He's the builder and the founder both of heaven and earth. And creation is said to be like a palace in which uh, is a kind of upper room. And it's used as heaven's storeroom. Watch this now for the earth. I, I need you to understand something this morning as we move towards uh, next week. The upper room, Pentecost, was a touch of heaven coming down to earth. And earth was the storeroom of which God wants to pour out his touch of heaven 
It's right there in the prophecy. It happened in Acts chapter 2. And we got to realize God is pouring out again. And the fact that Pentecost Sunday is happening in the midst of COVID-19. When everything else is shutting down. The fact that the leader of a nation is saying it's time to open the houses of worship. And for the people of God to go back and pray. You better believe God is getting ready to pour out heaven on the earth. I'm no deep theologian, but boy, an old country boy can see this. The Bible says it's God's power that draws water from the seas and pours it back out on the earth. That is a picture of Pentecost. <laughs> who, who is mighty? That's what the, it says it right there in your Bible. Who is mighty? And then Amos answers it. The Lord's his name. Who is mighty? And Amos says, the Lord is his name. You want me to tell you, who the, you want me to tell you the name of who's mighty? The Lord. Watch this now. That's PD's, that's PD's translation right there. The most wondrous thing of all, church, is that he created us to know and love him. And the greatest miracle that has ever happened is our transformation through Christ, his cross, his resurrection, and his indwelling presence. And just because God poured himself out in Acts chapter 2 doesn't mean he stopped then. He's been pouring himself out. He's going to continue to pour himself out. Because let me tell you something. God won't run out of his himself this should lead us into unfettered praise Amos is highlighting and describing the guiding hand of God not just in the history of Israel but in the history of other nations now you watch this I don't have no trick Bible all you got to do is read it it's right there God who is Lord of all creation, is Lord of all nations. Let me prove it to you. You see, Israel, and where they had come at this point, it's similar to where I believe we have come at this point. Where we, Israel has denied both its privilege and its responsibility as a people of God. And, and the modern day Western world church We all violated because we got to have church in our house. Listen, the underground in church in China have been doing it for. And people are getting saved every day. The Holy Ghost is moving every day in an underground church. And yet in the Western world, we can have as many church services as we want on a Sunday and we don't see nobody come to the Lord we don't see anybody get baptized in the spirit we're not seeing miracles we ain't seeing the dead rise yet they're seeing it every day I'm telling you God is speaking to us God is saying if you want revival you wouldn't get it in the condition you were you're going to have to be a new people and if you think coming back to a building is going to make it all better you're going to miss it when I do what I'm doing there is a time to come back to the building. I'm going to talk about it in a minute. But when we deny our privilege and our responsibility, you better bet the judgment of God is coming. And we better not be like Israel and wrongly assume that judgment only benefits us and harms other people. There's not a person who's listening to this message today 
who is deserving of the grace of God. That's why it's called grace, because you don't deserve it. That's why it's called mercy, something that is a gift from somebody else. I, I understand. Listen, I, grace is the most powerful thing in the world. We all want it. But boy, it becomes a whole lot less powerful when we're supposed to be the one giving it away. God, God asked Israel a couple of rhetorical questions that we need to take to heart this morning and grab a hold of this thing. He says, are you more important to me than Ethiopia? He says, are you proud of your exodus from Egypt? Don't be proud of your exodus from Egypt because the Philistines and the Syrians had an exodus too. And I orchestrated it. I, I, come on. I, I got some Bible students in here. Amen. It's there. It's there. But it's shocking to Israel to hear that God would be involved in the history of two nations that they had categorized as their enemies. And in that shock, it caused them to pause for a minute and step back and say, can we be so sure of God's protection? See, God's question is carefully placed. Listen, you better bet that God never asked you a question he don't already have the answer to. And it, it, sometimes God asks us a question to shock us. Do you think you're the darlings of the Almighty? Watch this. The God who created and controls the world and by whose providence all nations are guided is the foundation for the source of the message of hope. There's a family who went on a vacation. A father and a mother, a son and a daughter. And they visited these, the, the Carlsbad Caverns in New Mexico. I've never been there. Uh, I've heard uh, about how beautiful they are. And while they were exploring the caverns on the guided tour, the guide turned out the lights to show just how dark it was beneath the surface of the earth. Now, in Florida, where I'm from, in the panhandle of Florida, right there in Mariana, Florida, there's a place called the Florida Caverns. Maybe some of you have been there. And you can do the same thing. You can go on these guided tours and you can walk way down into the limestone of the earth. Into these caverns. And, and, and they go on for miles and miles and miles. And it takes all days to go on these guides. And I remember going into uh, these caverns and getting down there and the same thing. Right? The guide would turn off the light down deep in the, in the earth. And you could not see your hand in front of your face. This family... Was on this vacation deep in the caverns, and the lights went out. And out of the darkness came two sounds from one person this little girl. She gasped so loud because she was caught by the surprise of the darkness that happened. Who turned out the lights? Then another sound came from her little brother. And he says, don't worry, sis. There's someone here who knows how to turn the lights on. You better hold your neighbor. This was Amos' word to the people of his day. And the shadow of the message 
of judgment. He said, dark days are ahead, but don't you worry. There's somebody here who knows how to turn the light on. Listen, that's still God's message to us today, church. Dark times have come, and the world has decided to shut down. And we wonder if we have a future. But I'm here to tell you, by the Spirit of God today, don't you worry. Somebody may have turned the lights out, and it may seem dark. But there's one who's coming who knows how to turn the lights on. Y'all should give God some praise from that. He is the basis of our hope. Now, let me tell you about the instrument of hope. Verse 8. Behold, the eyes of the Lord are upon the sinful kingdom, and I will destroy it from the surface of the ground, except I will not utterly destroy the house of Jacob, declares the Lord. For behold, I will command and shake the house of Israel among all nations as one who shakes with a sieve. But no pebble shall fall upon the earth. Are y'all, are y'all with me this morning? See, how could Israel have hope? How can we have hope? In the face of judgment. In the face of what is happening. Come on church. I'm with you. I'm as frustrated as anybody. That that they don't understand or know. They can't comprehend when the end to this thing will come. As a matter of fact. All we hear from them is extensions. 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 Because they don't know. And you people are putting your hope and your faith. In people who have no clue what's going on. Uh, here we are in a world trusting leaders who are throwing their hands up in the air and saying, I don't know, let's wait two more weeks. I don't know, let's wait two more weeks. I don't know, let's take wait two more weeks. But I believe there's a remnant of the people of God who said, I don't need to know about that because I know the one, amen, who can. Amen, I know the one who's got a date set. I know the one who wants to pour his spirit out on me. You people better start putting your hope in the instrument of hope. His name is Jesus. He said, I'm not utterly going to destroy Israel. Listen to me. He's revealing that the exile will not result in the destruction, but the disciplining. A time of sifting. A time of purifying. Come on, church, we've prayed like we've never prayed before. I said we've prayed like we've never prayed before. We've prayed like we've never prayed prayed before there's at least two types of sieves uh, for for sifting grains in the ancient time one allows the chaff to pass through and it retains the grain the the other permits the grain to fall through while it keeps the pebbles in the sieve now regardless of the method a remnant composed of faithful servants of god is going to be separated and spared from destruction now, if you think I'm crazy, all you got to do is read your Bible because, listen, the idea of a remnant runs through the Scripture from beginning to end. Noah, Noah and his family, eight, were saved. From, that's a remnant, right? Lot and his family were saved from the destruction of Sodom, right? And they were the forerunners. Noah and Lot were the forerunners of this idea that God would work on the earth through a remnant. Zephaniah 2.3 says, Seek the Lord, all you humble of the land. You who uh, do what he commands, seek righteousness, seek humility. Perhaps you will be sheltered on the day of the Lord's anger. 
In the New Testament, there were only 120 people in the upper room on the day of Pentecost. Now, let me put a heavy out to you. You ready, Brenda? Because this was good, wasn't it? It was. The Bible tells us that Jesus resurrected Jesus. A resurrected Jesus with holes in his hands and in his side. With the scars on his body of a crucifying cross. The Bible says that the resurrected Jesus showed himself to 500 people. Over 500 people is what the Bible says. Every one of those people were believing people. None of them denied that it was Jesus Christ resurrected from the dead. None of them, every one of them, over 500 people believed he has risen from the dead. Can I ask you a question? Why was there only 120 people in the upper room? What happened to those other 380 people? I'm just a country boy asking some questions. How can you witness a resurrected Jesus? How can you believe that he literally resurrected from the dead and a few short days later not be in prayer when he pours himself? I'm asking the church today. Why was there only 120 people in the upper room? Well, maybe that's all it would hold. (laughs) Someone said, well, maybe they didn't have enough time to get the invitations out. Listen, when 500 people see a resurrected Jesus Christ, the last thing you got to worry about is invitations. Let me help you out. When Jesus raised from the dead, the Bible teaches us that those that were in the grave crawled out of the grave, went into the town, and preached Jesus. Now, if meeting a resurrected Jesus don't set you up, if you need a little bit more, Maybe one of your dead relatives clawing themselves out of the ground to come back and tell you, yep, he's alive. That ought to be enough for you. I'm just telling you what now. I'd have been in the upper room. I'm asking a question. You see, Amos is offering the idea of hope to Israel. Because judgment's not going to be complete. I'm trying to set Breno up. Because if it ain't good, it ain't fit. I'm trying to help a brother out. Y'all ain't going to want to miss June 7th. I'm going to sit down and be a cheerleader. I'll share my hanky. Let me prove it to you. Gideon got 32,000. God says negative. I'll take 300. I don't have time to read your Bible to you. And with 300, God delivered Israel. 
Saul gathered to himself 3,000 of his best troops. Not just the everyday average little private soldier. No, no, his best troops. He got 3,000 of the mighty men. He got 3,000 of the best soldiers, right? To, uh, to confront the Philistines. And God says, you know what? I think I'll send Jonathan and his armor bearer out there and, and, and watch this. God says, you know what I think I'll do? I'll send David out there with a slingshot. Come on, church. And God delivered Israel. Amos, his word to the people of God is your hope for the future doesn't reside in your strength as a nation. Instead, your hope for the future rests in the remnant of the people of God who will be protected and empowered by God. And that is still God's message to the church today. That's why, that's why God is sending revival on his church. We are a protected people and empowered by the Holy Ghost people. We, the church, are the instruments of hope. I said we, the church, are the instruments of hope. Why? Were there only 120 people in the upper room? It's my commentary. I'm writing it. You write your own. But I'll tell you why. Why I firmly believe there were only 120 people up there after all of those who had witnessed the power of the resurrection. Not only the resurrection of Jesus, but the resurrection of the dead around them. Because the rest got distracted by what was going on in the world around them. The rest put their emphasis on something else other than God said, get ready, I'm going to pour my Holy Ghost out. And they got frustrated because in their own ability, they got no power. In their own ability, they can't control the circumstances and the situations around us. In our own strength, we can't control the politicians. In our own strength, we experience them grabbing power and there's nothing we can do about it. In our own strength, the judges won't stand up for us. In our own strength, they can violate our constitutional rights and get away with it. Hello, somebody. But see, if you're going to put your emphasis in all your complaining, you're going to miss God pouring out His Holy Ghost. I got a stronger constitution than the Constitution of the United States, even though I believe in it. It's called the Constitution of the Scripture. And the Bible says, whom God set free is free indeed. And I don't need an amendment. Y'all ain't helping me today. And I know, I know there'd be some soldiers today who would say, preach it, preacher. I'm not bashing the Constitution. It's the greatest governing document planet Earth has ever seen. It's the longest living governing document that planet Earth has ever seen. The founding fathers were brilliant. But you know why they were brilliant? Because all of those rights that they wrote in that founding document came from this document that was written way before it was. I'm preaching to somebody today and some of y'all are going to get filled with the Holy Ghost. The church has got to be the instrument of hope. Not whether we got the right governor in place. Not whether the Supreme Court is going to protect us. Not the church has got to be the instrument of hope. The church has got to be the instrument of hope on planet earth. And God has opened up a window, amen, for us to be just that. 
Let me, let me give you the realization of hope. Hopefully. As a result of God's grace and his remnant, Israel will be restored. See, I believe that about America. I believe that America was ordained by God to be a light, not only, amen, to the nations, but to all of created cosmos. I believe that. But I also believe that sometimes, as Americans, we can take our privilege and our responsibilities for granted. As a result of God's grace, how, how can this future be realized? Amos declared the glory in the future by recalling the glory of the past. Watch this. See, David's rule was looked at as, as the greatest time of prosperity in Israel's history. And David became a symbol of greater things to come. And anytime they wanted to symbolize greater things to come, you know what they did? Come on, church, you know what they did? They always referred back to David. And it would stir hope in them once more about the people of God. If you don't believe it, it's right here. It's right here in verse 11, Rach. And, and, and in that day I will raise up uh, the booth of David that is fallen and repair its breaches. It's right there in the scripture. What a vivid picture of, of, of productivity. The land's going to be so productive that the worker in the field is going to be overlapped. God said pray for laborers, not the harvest. The harvest is already white. The land's going to be so productive. One, one, one worker's going to be gathering, and the harvesters are going to be out there gathering. But you know what? It's going to be so productive that the, the planters are going to catch up with them. I said, come on, church. We're going to be winning the lost. And we're going to be winning the lost so much that so much more preaching is going to come and just plant more seed. Are you with me, church? There ain't going to be a rest in between it. It's going to be prosperity after prosperity after prosperity. What an invitation to the Spirit of God in ancient times. This is a reference of what? Are you with me? A chicken in every pot and a car in every garage. That's as close as Pastor Don's ever going to get to prosperity preaching. Because the Bible says cities will be rebuilt. Don't worry about it. It's the essentials of life that you're going to be struggling about. Listen, they're going to come back and they're going to be. Listen, I tell you, when this is all over with, some of y'all are going to have so much toilet paper, you ain't never going to need to buy another roll. The essentials of life. Sorry. To me, it's a comforting picture. But it's going to be a remnant who will never be uprooted. We can't major on the miners' church. We've always said our job is to discover what God is doing and join Him. And I'm telling you, I believe with all my heart that God is setting us up. Amen. He's setting us up. To, he, he, listen, it, it's the upper room to pour out on the storeroom. What does this mean for us? Hope rooted in God's promise. He's the God of righteousness and he demands that we live righteously. God will never accept second place in your life. And I say God will never accept second rate discipleship. Some of y'all can live in sin and think you ain't going to get caught. But I'm here to tell you right now. Pastor Don is here to tell you God loves you enough to let you get caught every time. 
God's promises are not only for the end of our lives. They're for every day of our life. On the other side of COVID-19, can you imagine that the first and only thing that would be prospering on planet Earth would be the body of Christ? That in the middle of a global epidemic, pandemic, that caused a global crash on the economy, that God's people and his kingdom and his church would not have lost a pen. I, I got it. I got the gooses. That's God, and it's undeniably God. Are you listening to me, church? We are accountable to God for what the blessings he bestows on us. His judgments and his punishments are never an end to themselves. Our God is more concerned about reconciling us to himself than he ever is about retribution. He follows judgment with a promise of new beginning. And revival is just that. It is the movement of new beginnings. Y'all not, not ready. Y'all not ready because I got to read it to you. I told you this was a two-Bible sermon. I got to read it to you in the message, right? Thanks for, for sharing this. It, it says, yes, indeed, it won't be long now. This is God's decree. It's in the message trans, uh, version here. He says, things are going to happen so fast, your head will swim. One thing fast on the heels of another. You won't be able to keep up. Everything will be happening at once. And everywhere you look, blessings. Everywhere you look, blessings. Everywhere you look, blessings. Blessings like wine pouring off the mountain and the hills. I'll make everything right again for my people. They'll rebuild the ruined cities. They'll plant vineyards and drink good wine. They'll work in the gardens and eat fresh vegetables. I'll Plant and plant them in their own land. They'll never again be uprooted. I'm telling you, church, God said when the rest of the world crashes, my body is going to be exalted so my name will gain fame on the earth. You better watch it. It's right there. It's so good. Amos has brought us to renewed awareness of the cost of being chosen. We've been called saints. God's holy people, we've been appointed for holy living, uh, for righteous living, and he brings us to the realization of the impossibility of our own uh, ability in attaining righteousness, or even living righteous. Church, I want you to understand now, everybody say now, now is the time to be prepared to behold the glory with a new sense of awe and wonder. For God has intervened to make us right with himself and to give us power to live in his righteousness and be prepared to contain his spirit so that he can pour it out into a lost and dying world. Amos forces us to look in the mirror and repent and behold God in the face of Jesus Christ, our righteousness. It's repentance or ruin. What will your choice be? I told you I had to preach to revival. And in, in, in the next three, four minutes here, let me share you with my heart. If some of you got offended by some of the things I said, listen. We are citizens of heaven. This home is not my home. I'm just, I'm just passing through. And God has placed me in a position to be a free man, to declare the gospel, 
at a moment in time when a global pandemic would shut the rest of the earth down and make people slaves, you and I continue to be free. It will not surprise me if the Holy Spirit falls in a powerful way on many churches this Pentecost Sunday. I personally cannot shake the feeling that some shocking supernatural manifestations are going to come on those brave churches who know that it's the right time to open. I wrote these notes and sent them to my media team and leadership team way before President Trump stood up and said it's time for churches to open. There's proof on the dated emails, so I know the Holy Ghost is speaking. When the, when the leader of a nation will get up and says, you people of God, it's time for you to go worship. Hey, it's kind of like Moses and Aaron standing in front of Pharaoh and saying, we're going to go out yonder and we're going to worship. I can't shake the feeling. It's not going to surprise me if glorious worship turns into an outbreak of miracles and revival. Why? Why? Because many eerie similarities have flooded my mind about the day of Pentecost, May 31st, birthing the church. Number one, they're all in one accord in one place. The similarity is unity. Now, their unity looks a little bit different than ours because they're in one accord in one place. And because of the lockdown, we're in one accord in many places. <laughs> We've been locked down. The church of America has been pushed into a corner. And a remnant have pressed deeper into God. Y'all better listen to me. I said the church of America has been pushed into a corner and a remnant has pressed deeper into God. A remnant has dropped side issues and has sincerely cried out for revival. A remnant, amen, has heard the call of urgency by the Spirit for America to repent. The sideshow is not of God. The sideshow is a distraction. There's more. And the enemy can do a lot of things to distract us. There's no way Satan can win if we take our stand on the authority of the finished work of the cross of Calvary and the outpouring of the power power of Pentecost but of course not everybody's repented there's been some foolish disheartening heresies that have flooded the internet nevertheless there's a righteous core boy what, what, what if this week the church of Jesus Christ what if from today, this Sunday, until next Sunday, turned off the media and said, I refuse to listen to anything but what's written in this book and poured out by your presence? I'm just asking a question.
persecution has distilled uh, our current level of unity, and I like it. The dwindling numbers, the remnant, there's a striking similarity. 120 people, number two in the upper room, were under their own lockdown, and they risked it all by going public at the appropriate time. What if they'd have went public before the day of Pentecost? What if they had waited nine days instead of ten? I'm just asking a question. This mock trial of Jesus, this, 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 this execution by this oppressing government had put the followers of Jesus into a state of panic. The same people, more than 500 brothers and sisters at one time had seen Jesus, a resurrected Jesus. But on the day of Pentecost, there's only 120. Some broke off from seeking the Holy Spirit because of fatigue. Man, I've been praying for eight days. I ain't had a shower in nine days. We've been at this long enough. I know I saw him. He was alive. I, I know I saw the dead come out of that graveyard. But man, eight days is too long. Come on. But those who endured the fatigue were rewarded with an expressive glory day of days. Hello, church. This is another similarity because not all churches are going to open their doors on May 31st. Some for honest reasons that we dare not judge are not going to open their doors. That's fine. It's not my business. I preach to this church. These elders lead this church. Are you with me, church? Some are going to open their doors because of unbelief and fear. A number of churches are going to be opening their doors for the wrong reasons. They're going to open, sure. But they won't open to strike and shake their fist at politicians. They're going to open because they're worried about their tithes. Because their people hadn't been faithful. Come on, church. These things ain't going to stop the Holy Spirit. Here's a glorious fact to take away from the first outpouring, the first day of Pentecost. Less than one-third of their number were praying. Less than one-third obeyed and waited. But that was enough. Come on, church. There are a lot of lukewarm Christians who've been paralyzed by the lies of a corrupt media. I said the lies of a corrupt media. The lies of corrupt politicians. I want you to understand I don't care if they've got a symbol of an elephant or they got a symbol of a jack, I mean a donkey. I don't care. The one person who said he'd never leave me nor forsake me. The one person who said he'd always tell me the truth. The one person who said he'd always be my friend and died on a cross to prove that my best interest or was his motivation was Jesus Christ. There's some misguided preachers out there 
who don't want to lose their approval. The good news is nothing can stop the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Number three, they waited for the day to fully come because of what the Feast of Pentecost meant. You're going to need this. My notes are there for a reason. In many of the prophetic cores that we have, here's what we keep hearing. You don't have to wait till May 31st. As a matter of fact, it's been legal to have church. Come on. Why should we wait? 2,000 years ago, God made the disciples wait. I'm sure they were worthy of an outpouring long before that. But God himself had sovereignly chose a particular day. Pentecost was the purpose of the Holy Spirit to fall. Watch this. Because in the Old Testament, the day of Pentecost was known as this, the Feast of First Fruits. I, I, I want to lay a heavy on you today. I really want this to soak in. Farmers in Israel would diligently watch their fields, and as soon as they saw first fruit beginning to ripen, ripen, they would go and tie a reed around the first fruit in order to distinguish it from the rest of all of the fruit. Then at Pentecost, or the feast of first fruits, they would gather those first fruits and present them to the Lord in the temple. Now we move to the New Testament that declares Jesus is the first fruit. He predicts his death and the harvest that will follow. Watch this. John chapter 12. But Jesus answered them and said, The hour has come that the Son of Man must be glorified. Most assuredly I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies... It remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much fruit. Within days of Jesus making this statement, he would be crucified on that cross. Fifty days later, that's May 31st for us, in case you weren't paying attention. The birth of the church would be the first fruits of Jesus' ministry. Jesus was the grain he spoke about falling to the ground and dying. And in doing so, seven weeks later, he did produce much grain. In Jerusalem, the priests and the rabbis and all of the city, all of Jerusalem, saw the first fruit offerings of our Lord presented in the temple. That offering was the church empowered by the Holy Ghost, speaking in tongues, healing the sick, and casting out. Y'all not helping me. The first fruit offering was 3,000 souls. The decision, church, about what we do and how we do it, if it is not biblically motivated, it will always be in our own strength. And in our own strength, we can accomplish nothing. But with a biblical view of what God is doing, 
And a people who are empowered and filled by the Spirit of God. Who said he would lead us and guide us into all righteousness. Who said that the righteous or the steps of a righteous man and woman are ordered of the Lord. We will know what to do, when to do it, and how to do it. And I'm telling you, church, this ain't no coinky dink. I'm no great theologian, but even I can see that Pentecost is different this time than it's ever been before. Sure, we could open our churches earlier on somebody. But there's something about that particular day. There's a growing expectation about this coming Sunday. Despite all the darkness and evil. There could yet be a spark that leads to a great harvest. Hello, somebody. I said, hello, somebody. That's the word of the Lord. And I want you to know I receive it as that. I put nothing on God. Amen? When we gather our hearts and lives together to worship in one accord, what God does is His business. I only anticipate and expect that his nature and his character would be realized among his people when he pours himself out in the fact that he is a good, good God. And then in the darkest of times, he knows where the light switch is. Come somebody. In the times when you feel like you're in the wheelchair of a paralyzed world and you don't have no future God says yes you do yes you do who is it that's sovereign over creation and in a message of hope Amos says to us his name is the Lord come on somebody Stand with me right where you're at. Come on, come on. Hallelujah. Stand with me right where you're at. God is so good to us. God is so good to us. This week, I dare you. Turn the media off. Spend some time in this book. I had an Amish man tell me that because of COVID-19, he spent more time in his Bible with his family than he's ever did before. More time in prayer than he's ever... I want you to turn it off this week. Because who cares? I read the last chapter in this book. We were, Come on, church. Regardless of what happens on planet earth, we win. And I want to prepare my life this week to receive what God has. And I want to challenge you to do that. The elders at Firm have taken a day each this week. And, and we're, we're praying, fasting. All who can are going to gather on Saturday the 30th and pray one more time. And we're going to trust God to be God. Amen. It's God to be God. And this morning, if you've heard this word, this is a word, not only of judgment, but a word of hope. 
It's time to be the remnant of God. It's time to trust the Lord for what he said he would do. It's time to be the people he has called us to be. It's time not to worry about shaking our fist at the world, but opening our hands and submission to heaven. It's time to surrender our lives to the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. I want to pray with you right now. If you've never given your heart and life to Jesus Christ, and you want to do that right now, you pray with me. Father, I'm a sinner, and I've sinned against you. And right now, I repent of my sins. I ask you to wash me in the blood of Jesus that cleanses my sin as far as the east is from the west, never to be remembered again. Jesus, you are my Lord and my Savior. I am yours. Satan, I renounce you in all your ways. I now belong to Jesus and his spirit lives in me. I pray these things in Jesus' precious name who makes my eternal home in heaven. Amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer right now, we want to hear from you because we believe in the Lord coming to save you. Amen. From, from, from a devil's hell to save you, to be with him for eternity, we want to hear from you. If you've been listening to this message as a church and you're ready for more, Lord, let's pray. Father, right now, we posture our hearts as a church and we say to you, Jesus, be Jesus. We pray right now, God, we are in anticipation of the outpouring of your spirit. Thank you for a message of hope. Thank you that we are the instruments of hope. That, that, that we, Lord, amen, have the spirit of God living inside of us which is the hope of glory. Set us on fire for you, God. Let us be a new people. Revival is the beginning of a new thing. It's something you give the church, and revival in the church produces fruit that affects a lost and dying world. God, you give the church revival so there's power and light switch to turn off the darkness. Do it for your glory and for your honor. We pray it in Jesus' precious name. And everyone said, come on, give the Lord a hand of praise right now. I'm going to thank you for tuning in. Now, listen, I need to remind you, if you haven't booked in, help us out. That's all Pastor Don's asking. Book into next week. Uh, looking towards second service now because I believe first service is booked full. We're not turning people away at the door. Uh, we're just trying to walk in honor and, and do the best we can to serve you and so we want you to do that. Help us out. Um, and you're not required to do it. You're not required, but we put some guidelines out. Watch those again this week. And, and let's see what God will do through our honor for one another. And let's live above board. We're looking forward to seeing you next week. First service is at 9 a.m. Amen. Second service is at 11 a.m. God bless you. We'll see you then. Hallelujah. Come on. Give God praise.